the things that happen to people when they come to Christ and they are new creation in Christ, things change or they should change. So this is part of that process of the things that we experience. God has made possible for us as human beings living in this world now, looking to life and eternity and preparing for that, but living it out now and what he's done to make that happen. So he's procured for us a lasting change, lasting life. He wants to bring this newness into us, and that's our new day. And there are spiritual awakenings, things that we may have missed, things that we may ignore, things we don't like, things we're just not, I ain't doing it. We just kind of go through all kinds of things. So this is kind of visiting or revisiting for some these ideas that that God has given us. He's presented these things in Scripture, so we have a copy of them, we can look at them, and we can find out more. So where we are today is in the remarkable chapter of Romans chapter 12. That is pretty much where we're going to be. And we're going to look at the whole thing. So if you notice, there's uh, fewer songs this morning because I need the time. Or people will go to lunch, and I'm still here doing this, and it's just lonely. So, new behaviors. We're going to look at what transpires as a result of what God has done. And because of what God has done, this is Romans 12, verse 1. And he, and he begins this thing with there's this transition, and so... And we're looking back in other translations, it will say, therefore, which is when you ask, what's it there for? And you find out this is all of all that has come before is linked to this. This is a huge hinge in tying this together. What God has done in Romans or described in Romans from creation to the salvation that has been made possible, the breakdown in in humanity, the separation from God that occurred because of sin, rebellion, transgressions, the determination to go a different direction. And then God brings this thing around, and and we pick it up in in Romans chapter 5, and there's peace with God because of what Jesus has done. God so loved us, he sent us his son, There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. We are in this incredible story of uh, salvation and transformation and life that God has made possible. So he brings us to this place. And so, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So worship is is key in this. He's done all of these things for us. We recognize that God is God. Jesus has saved us. Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins, made it possible for us to have a life with him. He has imparted extra abilities and gifts. The Holy Spirit will guide us. That's in Romans 8 as well. And we've got this package made possible by God himself for us to enjoy life. And 
to worship ourselves, to worship other gods, to worship our culture, to worship anything other than him is foolishness. And he's saying, this is it. And this is so Old Testament. This is so great. This is the kind of sacrifice that he's looking for. A living and holy sacrifice. So, picture this. That cute little one-year-old lamb is brought to the priest. And the priest brings out his very sharp knife and slits his throat. And they gather the blood, they divide the animal, they put him on the altar. Guess what that has to be? The proper sacrifice, the proper way, at the proper time, and the, all of it has to fit. How long did that lamb live after that? I know you're going to wrestle with this concept. This is a living and holy sacrifice. You are called to come to the living God with all you are. That's all the lamb had. All you are. And to die to all that you are so that you can live in all that he has for you. Living and holy sacrifice. Which is acceptable to him. In the Old Testament book of Malachi, there are huge problems because the sacrifices that are being brought are really awful. Anything cheap, anything just to get by, anything to just pretend, anything to just get the priests off their back or their relatives or whoever's around them, we'll just, let's just do this and it'll look like we're serious. It'll look like we're making a sacrifice. We'll look really spiritual, religious. We'll, we will go to Jerusalem, to the temple, and make a sacrifice. And God says, that is not acceptable to me. And I'm going to drop a hammer on you. It doesn't really say hammer. But anyway, the, he's coming. And he's, I've got something better for you if you listen. But those sacrifices are not acceptable to me. You have stolen from me. He goes on in Malachi about a number of those things, and we find it right here, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We come to him recognizing what he has done, and now it's on us. This is that this huge uh, hinge that's going to tie these two together. What he has done, what we have to do, what is legit, what will please him. This is the outline, or that's the beginning. Then we begin into the steps of what this looks like. So don't copy. This is Romans 12 too, so we're just right in the next verse. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's a whole lot different than the holy sacrifices we just had. Now we're moving into, okay, so what does this world do in searching out its own uh, interest, its own values, its own principles, just all around us, our own opinions. We have in this world our own cultures that we've created among different peoples. And he's saying, don't copy that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's kind of nice. 
be nice to know God's will. How do we get there? Well, we got to kind of back up and go, well, I, I got to be transformed and, and I have to do that by changing the way I think. There are a number of ways that if, if you are uh, encountering things, well, you can go on the internet and find all this stuff too. It may be that people are giving you ideas, advice on how to live a better life. And, and if you're in some of these, it's going to be informational. Uh, some of the things will be that you, you begin in a more physical way. So you, you are, you're going to change your body, your mind. You, you're using some uh, biofeedback that's using the body and in resp- responses, and they, they have little electrical impulses that can help you realize, oh, I'm doing thinking this way or doing this. Let me, there's a circle. Your mind is going to affect your, your body, and then there are certain things that if you do it with your body, you fall in line with what God's doing. You just go through the practices, and that will reinforce what's happening in your brain. So it goes back and forth, and you use both. That's, that's the idea. We use both. So we have some different areas that we need to change to get in line with what God is doing the way he wants us to live, to live the fullest life that we can. And it is not like the world. And we go, you know, I'm not like the world. I am so different. I am such an outlier. Liar, you are not. Guarantee you, you want to drive a car because everybody got here in some kind of a vehicle that was motorized. Is that like the world? Yeah, is that what he's talking about? Nah, it's technology, not necessarily. So, what is the, the issue? It's the philosophies of the world, the way the world understands itself, the way it views God, the way it views uh, mortality, life after death, the way it understands what is human and non-human what is good for humanity what is good for in a in a nation like this what what's good for the republic and people are all over the place and it can be on one end or the other still the world where do those opinions come from driven by self-interest if you're an oil and gas guy you might have a party you're interested in supporting if you're a green person, you might have a party you're interested in supporting. Who's making bucks on either end? Well, not the guy in the middle, but everybody on both ends, is, there's a reason they're doing this. Some of it's philosophy. A lot of it is bank account. What is it that drives us? Don't be like the world. So it's not just those things. What about what makes you really get hot and mad and ticked off at people. What is it? You know, well, they, they get in my way. They cut me off when we're driving down the road. You know, that is so worldly. Everybody else is doing the same thing. Germany, France, England, right here in America... Tijuana, if you want to go have a fun one, drive down there. They're angry, angry drivers. Houston's really fun, guys. What in the world? That, that's a whole new level of experience in driving. So there are behaviors that come out of 
this world and we go, well, I just agree with that. I just, that makes me mad. I'm angry. I'm mad at the person I live with. I'm mad at the people who live in my house. I'm mad at the people around me. I'm mad at the people at church. I'm mad at the people at school. I'm mad at the people at work. I'm mad at, you go, well, that, you know, that is so large of you to think so broadly, to, to be so different and unique and holy. And just saying those things has already made you think, right? Oh, crap. I need to be transformed. Something needs to happen, and it happens in us, and it happens because we practice it, so we have to do it with our bodies, and we have to do it with our heads, so it's all engaged in order to spiritually worship the God on high who's made all things possible. You have to know all of that in verses 1 and 2 before you get to the rest of this. Otherwise, it's really going to tick you off because you're going to go, I ain't doing it. There's nothing about this makes sense. Just that's where we're headed, right there, because this is holy. And you are about to enter in to holy ground to do something so remarkable, it is not like this world. It will turn this world upside down. It will change your life. That's what he says. You do it right here by changing the way you think. And this is good and pleasing and perfect. And you will know that God really, really is on your team because you get it and you practice it. Romans 12 is good. It's really good. So we have the change, the body, the mind. We've got both of those things interacting. They're playing off each other. We need both. We feed both. We practice these things. And it's really good. So we move to Romans 12, 3, because this is, this is so... Uh, we, just, we need to get this attitude thing right. Don't think you are better than... Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given, given us. So we've got this tendency as humans to view ourselves, even if we're insecure, even if we're shy, even if we pull away, even though uh, it's not me, I'm, I am Mr. or Miss Humble. There is nothing about this that applies to me. That's why it has it in Scripture, and it's just a general statement, because 100% of people are going to not get this right. This is amazing. And, and he, you know, here's Paul. He, he's been you know, trained by Jesus. And if you don't know that story, we can cover that another time. But anyway, he's been trained by Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with him. He's guiding him, and he's living this thing out. And he goes, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, let me just tell you this. Let me give you this heads up. Don't think you are better than you really are. And how do we know we think that way? Because when you encounter the very things we're going to cover in just a moment from Romans chapter 12, inside you're going, "Uh uh-uh, you don't know my situation. I have tried and tried and tried. If if those people would get it, if those people would change, if those people, you go, huh. Let's just start out with, you ain't all that. Let's start with that. 
And remember, in order to please God, you have to be a living sacrifice, dead. How much complaint did that little lamb make after this throat was slit? I know that's gross. Just how much? Living sacrifice pleasing to God. Saying this is different. This is way different. Don't think you are really all that. Listen. I've done all this for you so that you can live a transformed life. How do you live the transformed life? By doing exactly what I've always done. Thinking the way I've always thought. Being angry at the same things I've always been angry at. Ambitious for the same things I've always been searching for. I'm going to do exactly the same thing I've always done. How transformed is that? How pleasing to God is that? Because this is a whole different thing. Living sacrifice. Changing the way we think. Changing our behaviors. It's moving everything in another direction. Pleases God. You will find God's will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And it starts with, don't think you're better than you really are. You've got to be honest in your evaluations. And where do you get that? Well, you've got to check with God. You find out from Scripture. You find out from, from who Jesus is. What character qualities does he exhibit? How does he live out his life? In this world, because he didn't buy the culture, he wanted to reach into the culture and, and renew it and reshape it and do things that would bring people to life. If you want to do that, join him, because this is amazing stuff. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So he's given us this amazing new experience, new encounter with the living God, new level of measurement that comes from, from Scripture, from the, the image that we have of God and, and Christ. And he's saying, this is it. You've got a whole new way of doing this. Here's a new possibility. So measuring properly, let's look at that. Avoid inflated assumptions. Avoid inflated assumptions. And this is happening to us internally. And we just do this. Uh, nobody's probably ever coached us, even though you can read a bunch of Tony Robbins and you can start getting some of this from another perspective. But you, you begin to get this inflated idea. And, and this isn't about ripping us down. This is actually about building us up. It's just doing it properly based on what God has intended. So measuring properly, and isn't that cool, that little tape measure? Let's just give us an idea. If we have different tape measures, just imagine. You know, some of them are stretchy. Some of them have marks, you know, the guy didn't want to put that many hash marks on it, so he just puts some, you know, every three, four feet. You go, that's, that's not going to work out. You can't measure. It's got to be the same. Exactly. It's got to be the same. Where do we go? We go to God, we look at the scriptures, we find out what Christ is like, we measure against that. Well, I'm better than my neighbor. He is not the measurement. He's not the measurement. I'm better than the guy down the street, doesn't matter. 
only this one. How do you stand next to Christ? And if you're better than him, why weren't you on the cross? And if you weren't worthy of that, don't think too highly of yourself. He's got something for you. A new life, new way of measuring, a new way of looking at this. So avoid inflated assumptions. Compare with Christ's character. Reject ego defenses. See, those already may have come up just in our time here. You know, it, ain't, it ain't about me. I don't care what you're saying. It, nope. Yep, those things pop up so fast. And you may not intentionally do any of that. It's just so natural. It's just where you go. I got to protect myself. I am better than you're saying. Okay. Reject ego defenses. Just don't let them take over. Listen to what God's got for you. Because if you listen to what he's got for you, he's going to take you to levels of life that will just blow your mind. Affirm the authentic you that has much and needs more work. So affirm the authentic you, which is awesome. Remember, God so loved the world and he loved you so much that he sent his son. That's the proof. He dem- in Romans 5 eight, he demonstrates his own love for you by giving son for you. He loves you. He knew you before you were born, before this world was made. He knew you. He was looking out for you. He knew you would come in this time. He knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head or whatever's left. He is he's just familiar with everything about you and he loves you. So he, that's and he and he desires the very best and he knows what is in there. And also what's been corrupted over time by the culture, by your own actions or uh, things that have happened to you. What, whatever all those things are, he knows that. Well, those are some burnt edges, some, some brokenness, some rusted places. And he wants to take that out. The authentic you is so wonderful to him, so beautiful to him, that he wants to salvage that. Doesn't that word salvage sound like salvation? He wants to take you in another place. He wants to take off the other stuff and then take that shiny part in there and just turn it loose. So affirm the authentic you that has much and needs more work. It's all of that. It needs more work. There's stuff that still isn't complete yet, still needs to be looked at, still needs to be uh, refined, shined up, cleaned up that's what he does so he wants to do that that's what romans 12 is accomplishing so that's where we want to go with this so we want to measure properly affirm the authentic you that has much and needs more work he goes into this about gifts and he's talking about the church so he's gone through the individual he's talked about who we are as people and, and the, the transformation that we need to make, and, and, and we need to do that as a body of believers, as a church. And he's writing this to the church in Rome. So there's a group of, of believers, people who are following Jesus there, and Paul hasn't been there yet. He's not been to Rome. He just knows that there are a group of believers in the city, and he's sending this letter to them. But he goes into the, the uh, gifts. So God has given gifts. So let's look at those. Prophesying, 
That is declaring God's truth, and declaring God's truth is the, what's in Scripture, the things that are written. It's also what God is declaring at a particular time. He may speak through uh, the teachers, the other individuals, apostles who are part of the, part of the church, prophets who are part of the church. But the gifts are prophesying, and he doesn't say only the guy with robes. Well, they are all wearing robes. It could be those. But it's all the people that God has given this gift, and they're in this group of Christians in Rome, in the church, there's a number of them. He doesn't say how many of you got this, but here's, he's going to give you gifts, and he's giving a sample. This is a sampling of some things that can show up. And these are supernatural. These aren't just... Oh, some guy is uh, one of the definitions of of a prophet in in modern times is someone who is very black and white. Or they look at the news commentators and they come up with some kind of spin on what God is doing based on what their opinion is of what's happening. And so they will share that and then they will get loud. You're better as a prophet if you get loud. And hammer, you got to hit things and just declare it. That's that's the idea. That's not what he's talking about. This could be a very quiet person, and and as we saw in Acts chapter two, it, the spirits poured out on all people, men, women, children, young and old. It's just poured out. So we don't know. It's going. It's just going. The gifts is going to be out there, and it's a way of communicating these things, helping each other, building each other up, not thinking too highly of ourselves, measuring ourselves according to who Christ is. But we're sharing this to help build up individuals or the body of Christ. So we have uh, the prophetic. He said. He says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So somebody's got that gift, speak, share that, build up others. That's that's part of what God has done. That's part of the gift. That's part of uh, pleasing him. It's part of helping the church as a whole because we're all in this together. He goes on to serving. He talks about the serving part of this thing. And that's just being there for others. He says in verse 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Now he puts a, a level on there which is pretty interesting because we've just seen the thing about measurement. Serving, well, I'll serve as long as it's in administration. Administration in terms of bookkeeping or running the copier. But I'm not stacking chairs. Okay. I don't want to clean toilets. Okay. It says if you have the gift of serving, you notice it doesn't say but you're exempt from any of it. If you have the gift of serving, serve them well. Serve them well, and you go, oh, man, that means actually doing something for other people? That could get messy. You know, that would interrupt my time. It could take my energy. That, I I don't know. 
He said, if you have the gift of serving, you'd think that with serving, you'd also have an attitude that would say, I want to serve. Not so much, apparently. You have the gift of serving, and you could do a whole lot, but there's that other part that still needs to be transformed that says, i got to look out for number one. i got me to take care of. I've been reading those self-help books. I know. People are going to take advantage of me. Yes, they will. Now get over it and clean the dang toilets. Serve them well. It may be small things. It may be building something. It may be fixing somebody's car. It may be just being a part of their lives in ways that you can't even imagine right now because God Almighty is going to lead you and direct you and we have his perfect will. We already covered that. He'll bring you into that. So that's kind of cool. If you're a teacher, teach well. So teaching is another one. If there's information, you've got this ability to communicate, to take thoughts and put them in, in some kind of framework that makes sense to other people, and they are able to apply those things in their lives, you are doing them a service. You are doing them a favor. You are building them up, that's, and that's the idea. You have that gift, T12. Does everybody have the gift? He's saying, we've covered that in First Corinthians. It, not everybody has all the gifts. Nobody has all of these things or do they have, nor do they have them in equal measure. So there's all kinds of different gifts, and there are varieties, and God is mixing them up in every church so that people have what he needs in that place. So we need some teaching going on, and we need it to be taught well, not just, well, you know, I didn't get to that, and we're going to teach on Sunday morning. Well, I, you know, really, is, I know it's 9.30 on Saturday night, but they don't care. Let me, let me just Google that something, and I'll just take it in there and quickly run through this. Uh-uh. Teach it well. Know the subject. Present the subject well. Make sure people are able to grasp the things that you're presenting or showing them. And it may be practical things. It may be skills and other ways. And in, in, in this, because it's in a, a, a spiritual uh, context, then we're looking at how do you do that? How do you teach the scriptures? How do you do that? How do you teach memorizing the scriptures? They only had some scrolls for the Old Testament back then. Those are very expensive, so they didn't have very many of those. You had to memorize them. How are you going to teach them to do that? Come in and, and you know, here's, we're going to work on Isaiah. That won't take long. We'll just memorize this whole thing and break out the scrolls. So you've got to teach. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. So encouraging is another. So we've got the building up people. It's looking into their lives. This encouraging thing is intentional. That requires that we know this is where a person is. On, on God's measurement, you've got to know enough to know that. If, you, if this is based on your opinion, this really isn't going to work very well. I mean, it's great to go encourage a t-ball player in his batting average. But if you're using that same standard for a major league player, you know, we got, we got problems. What measurement do we use? And the idea of encouraging is to encourage appropriately, knowing enough about the person, knowing enough where God is headed with people. And it may be that we know in general God is heading to a certain place. 
And we've got that in Scripture. So we can go, man, that's off base. That's not going to help you. You've you, you got to track with where God is going in this thing. So if you depart from that, it's going to be a problem. You can't. But, you know, us being such so tender-hearted, caring, we encourage people in a bunch of stuff. It really doesn't matter. And, and we avoid the stuff that does, which is because God's measurement. If we bring that up with most people, remember that whole ego defense thing? That comes up. And it comes up fast, which is why, and we know that because we are learned people. We know if we bring up, this is the level God is shooting for. And you're like over there and you bring that up and you know what the response will be. So you don't bring it up. Just don't. And we're supposed to encourage each other, which means to build up, to move people in that direction. We have the gift of encouragement. We should be encouraging and helping people to move to that level. Would it be better to have a whole bunch of people at that level or just let's just pat them on the head and y'all just keep playing t-ball? I know you're 47, but just keep playing t-ball. We're going to have to get a taller little bass thing. Dude, we just have to change it up. Giving, another gift. If your gift is... uh, where where'd it go? Oh, wait a minute. If it is giving, give generously. If it is giving, give generously. Not holding back. Sometimes it looks like people are generous because if if they have a larger amount somewhere, you know, more grapes or more lambs back in the day or whatever it was that they were giving, and they have more of those, and and yet they take a little bit of it off the edge. And they give it, but that's bigger than all these other guys because they only had a little bowl or a little bucket full. Go, man, they are so generous. Let's do it by ratio. You do it by ratio and you go, those guys just gave 95% of what they have. This guy didn't even hit 5% of what he has. Yeah. Is it generous? Still nice to give, no matter what. Is it generous? The gift of giving requires generosity. Generosity is an open heart, realizing that God Almighty provides everything we need. And if he gave me all of this to start with, he'll probably give me more of that if I give this away. Because that's what he does. But this person with the gift of giving has to be reminded, do it generously. Just go all out. This is a transformation of the mind and body. And part of that body thing is writing checks or sliding that card. And you know how hard it is to sign those. Holy moly. Because of our minds. We have to be transformed in the way we think. And God says, look at all I've done for you. Now be transformed. I've given you my son. Everything I've got. Because I love you. Could you follow through and be transformed? Will you listen? So he's given us some gifts, and that's so we can help each other. We honor him by doing that. If God has given you the gift of leadership, leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. So leading is a gift. We know that that kind of of leadership is 
it's just vital. This is the, we talked about this when we went through the spiritual gifts uh, series, but this is the, the idea of piloting, piloting and, and, and getting the ship through the storm. It's getting the uh, army to, to, you know, across the country to where it belongs, and everybody is fed and taken care of and intact and ready to do the job. It's the idea of getting the project, the building project, and you know all the materials you need, you get them, you've got the supply line set up, you're feeding your crew, you've shown them what they do, you show out, you lay out the plans, and you get people busy every day. Leadership. We need a, within the church, we've got a, this is where we're going, this is what we're building, this is why we're building it, here are the supplies, and we have sources, resources that come from heaven to help us do this. This is amazing that God has, has given us, but there are leaders in it, all you have to do is look at Ministry Watch or a half dozen other things that are online to see that there are people in ministries, Christian ministries, who are not taking this seriously. I mean, they're, they're self-absorbed. They're looking at their own egos or selling their books or whatever it is that's drawing them or driving them. And that's why they're in ministry. And you go, that is just not right. Are they leading people to a better relationship with Jesus? Are they helping them to become more of what God intended? Are they helping people become transformed? And you go, no, because they're not transformed themselves. They're caught up in this other thing. They look really good, but if they're not helping people become what they're supposed to become, they failed. So leadership is to be taken seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others... Do it gladly. You know, that's, that's kind of a bummer. Because this whole showing kindness thing, that means I have to step out of myself. I have to look at other people like they have value of some sort. And not just me. Because obviously, I'm the one with value. All those out there are a bother. They get in my way. They make a lot of noise. Kindness. Kindness means intentionally looking out for the good of another person and doing it with gladness, actually being so transformed that we can apply kindness to another person because of what Jesus has done for us because God sees value in them, loves them like he loves me, and inside I am so transformed that I'm actually doing it without an agenda. I'm not looking out to get anything, to gain anything, to prove anything. I'm just going to be kind and do it gladly. It just flows. Those are gifts. Those are great gifts. So it's part of a whole. That's part of us. This is Romans uh, 12, 5, and 6. We belong to each other. That's the church and each person that's part of that. God has given you gifts for doing certain things well. So everybody gets the gift, but we're supposed to do those well, and we belong to each other. So it's not just selfish, uh, just my stuff when I want to do it, when I feel up to it. Or when somebody affirms me or I get applause, it's what we do because we are transformed. 
And look at the verses that follow that in 12, 9, and 10. Keep love real. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. What amazing words to follow. Don't pretend to love others. That is so easy. See, that's part of the culture. That's part of what we have to get away from. That's the world pretending to love others. Hate what's wrong. People hate all kinds of things. They, they hate different shoes. They hate different models of cars. They hate all kinds of music. They, they just hate things. Being transformed means you get off of that piddly stuff and you hate what's wrong, injustice, a lack of love, the hurting people who have been victimized and you hate wrong. Hate it because you love. You love them, you love God. It's a different way of approaching life. Hold tightly to what is good and love each other with genuine affection. This is the next hard part. Take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. That means you find something in another person and if they're moving towards Jesus, they're trying to walk with him, you honor them. So the honoring thing isn't just for the people who get Academy Awards or MVP at the Super Bowl. This is honoring people all around you, honoring people in your church, in your community, in your family, people who are walking with Christ, honoring others and to take delight in it. Paul is just ruthless. Take delight in this. You go, no, I want to be honored. You can't believe how they have dishonored me. At work, they don't see, they don't promote me. I get no credit. You don't know how many times I've washed those dishes and done that laundry and made those beds and nobody, nobody honors me. They need to be honored. But that tendency in ourselves, remember, not to think too highly of ourselves, goes right back to, but I didn't get honored. I didn't, if I didn't get honored, I ain't, you know. Why should I honor anybody? It's just, you know, those people. Take, take, take. That's all they do. And guess what we're doing? What we're withholding. What we, because we are so jealous that they might get something. They, they might even have a positive word said about them? Hmm. Nope, nope, nope. We like gossip. We like being critical. We like being sarcastic. Well, maybe not you guys. You know, we've covered that before. We know that church back there does. <laughs> yep. Take delight in honoring each other. Work. Romans twelve eleven. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Never be lazy. It doesn't say don't take breaks. Don't wait for the Lord. Don't, don't take time to refresh your body. It's not saying that. 
But it is saying you lay aside those things that are important and are, that you have responsibilities for, and you're not fulfilling those things because you're distracted. Uh, you find other things to be busy with, and he's going, huh? Nope, 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 nope. There's some great proverbs on this one, which we don't have time to cover. Never be lazy. Work hard, serve the Lord enthusiastically. I've been giving myself to the Lord now five, nigh on four. 47 years. I don't really, I'm not saying that about myself because I don't really remember. Anyway, the idea is do it enthusiastically. And there's a bunch of whiners. And, and some of them are in the ministry because I've encountered them. And you serve the Lord. This is the greatest thing in the world. And you're going to whine about it? This is, this is amazing that we get, to, but, you know, if I, that means I have to get, in, you know, read, get up and read the Bible maybe. Well, that, that just really interferes with my life. I have to treat people with kindness, and now I have to honor them. This is messed up. Yeah. You are a living sacrifice. All that died. You're being transformed into a new person in Christ because of all he's done for you. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verse 12, positive Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Rejoice in our confident hope. That's a positive attitude about what God is doing even though you're thrown into a concentration camp. Still positive even though the economy goes upside down. Still hopeful in Christ because I have a disease I can't get rid of. Confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Good included that because everybody's going to get it. And the idea is trouble's going to come. How are you going to respond? Huh. If you're transformed, you're going to respond way different than the world. If you're responding the same as the world, something is not transformed. Your attitude's the same as everybody around you and everybody in your neighborhood, and they don't even know Jesus? Huh. Yeah. Time to change. Be transformed. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. But prayer doesn't work. Nothing's changed. I just, this is a waste of time. Interesting that the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, Include, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Never stop. Keep on praying. And in our minds, because we are so far beyond what God is, we go, well, this just isn't working. He's going, it's accomplishing exactly what I desire for it to accomplish. You can be a part of it, or you can be far away from it. It's up to you. You want to be transformed? You want to experience the, the pleasing will of God? Pray. People prayed in Egypt to be released from slavery. They prayed because slavery in Egypt was not what they were intended to be. They knew that there was something more. A bunch of Israelites down there grew from a small bunch of families into a large herd 
And they're praying and praying and praying. And it only took like 16, 17 days and God sent help. You may not know that story. 400 years before Moses shows up. 400 years. How long has the America been here? Not for the indigenous, but for other people? Huh. That length of time, that's what we're talking about. 400 years. And you go, wow. So when does my prayer kick in? It may be immediate. It may be down the road. But you know what God says about it? To the transformed person, keep on praying. Just keep praying. Because his power is going to be released. He's going to accomplish things. When you see him, by the way, he will talk to you about that. So why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you do what I told you? You know, I, you know, I didn't see nothing happening. Come over here in the corner and let's talk a little bit. You don't want that. Just saying. So keep on praying. Be positive. God's at work. He hasn't quit. Confident hope. Helpful and hospitable. Verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. So you got to, you got to, this part of this is like, I got to be on my own feet. So I need to stand on my own. I need to be in a position to be able to help. So what do I do to do that? And you just look at the practical things in your life and say, okay, these are some steps. I need to get to a place where I can participate in this and uh, be ready to help them. Now, sometimes we're the ones in need of help. That's all right. Should we ever get beyond that? Yeah, because we want to be the ones to help others and see how we can impact the world around us. Always be eager to practice hospitality, looking for ways to invite people in or invite them into your circle, a, a chance to, to have conversation, a meal, a chance to share ideas, to encourage one another, to find out what's going on. And if there are issues in that life, you can serve them with gladness. It's just all of that's going to happen. Hospitality is a great way to do that. Bless, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. No, I'm ticked off. So I ain't having nothing to do with them. And, and of course, we're Christians, so we don't curse. But in our hearts, we do. We have all kinds of ways to curse. And we can cover it up, and we can put perfume on it. Bless those who persecute you. See, doesn't that reflect Jesus? You just see it right there. That's what he says. Matthew 5. Pray that God will bless them. What? No, 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 no. I want a house to fall on them. And their little striped sock can stick out the end. No, I don't want... Bless them. This is crazy talk. So you have to be transformed. That's why this doesn't work. Unless you get it. What God has done what he's made possible, how much he loves you, where he was taking you. You're not transformed. You'll fight this. Every one of these, you'll go, I don't know. Or let's redefine that so that I look like I'm already doing it. And whatever level you've gotten to, which, hey, I'm excited about, 
whatever level you've gotten to, there's a lot more. So we're not there yet. There's more to do. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Practice loving empathy. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Now see, that's another bummer. So they get a new car. They get a new job. They got the promotion. You didn't. They get the girl. They get the boy. Whatever it is, and you go, well, I am just ticked. I should have gotten that. I should have got the promotion. I should have got the award. I should have gotten, I should have, and I should have, and how come I didn't, and it's them. And jealousy comes in, can't be happy for those that are getting awards. And then if they're hurting, go, well, you don't know how bad I've been hurt. You ever pulled down on somebody? You know, your loss, man, I lost three of them. Oh, come on. One up and ship and hurts. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Intentional friendship, verse 16. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. You see that kind of humbling thing that he keeps doing? God, doesn't that just make you mad? Live in harmony with each other. Wow. With who? Well, the people in your family, the people around you, people in the church. This is written to the church. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. So you're dealing with Rome. So there are Romans in the household of Caesar who are part of the church. Holy moly. That's pretty high ranking in the empire. So they're part of the church. Then you have slaves. They're also part of the church. How are you going to treat people? Well, you've got to treat the, you know, the super honored people with more honor. Well, you honor people. Yeah, give them respect. You also respect the other people, and you honor them. So it's everybody. Well, that just goes against everything. Yeah, it does. It's pretty exciting to just see what, what is unfolding and how God does this, and, and how, how he, is, he sees beyond the, the norm, the culture, the world. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Be honorable, not evil. Romans twelve seventeen. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Why would paying back evil look like you're dishonorable? Because I don't know how many movies you've seen or books that you've read, and revenge is like a really popular thing. And the more clever the revenge, the better the book or the movie. So that's world. That's the world. And he's saying don't do it that way. I mean, it's an interesting thing to see but in these stories, but that's just, we've got to go a different way. And to do it uh, in such a way that, you know, even if it's quietly on the side, people notice you didn't take revenge when you could have. That stands out. That's honorable. Verse 18, responsibility of peace. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
that so far as it depends on you, live in peace, and the other translation, uh, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So it's on you. No, wait, you don't know that guy. You don't know that woman. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You can't believe how they rolled their eyes at me. Never pay back evil with evil. Just don't. So there's a whole lifestyle change that takes place with this. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Pay forward, not back. Verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. I thought we covered that. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. And if you're thinking about it, you're going, hey, he doesn't do it fast enough, and he doesn't do it hard enough, and he doesn't do, so I'll just take care of it. And I've got words, or maybe some things I can do to them on the side, but, you know, I'll show them with my behavior, with my attitude, with uh, my anger, my something. He said, just don't. Let God do it. And it's amazing what God can do. And if you're paying attention, if you come at this with a transformed mind, you can watch him at work. And then you go, whoa, that was amazing. And it just lights up. And you go, that was God. He did take care of that. And he took care of it in ways I would not have thought of, in ways that are helpful. I mean, it, it, it will get the other person's attention and then bring them in a different direction so that maybe they could be transformed. It just give them a chance. The Lord does cool stuff. Make kindness your custom. In verse 20, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Yeah, let's burn them. There's a kindness in all of that, looking for a way to go in opposition to the world, the way the culture, the way our tendencies would be, and to do it so differently that we are blessing them with all of this. And the burning coals are often a way of sharing. Uh, that's even good. It looks like it's being, they're being burned. But what they would do then <laughs> the cult is maybe helpful to know. They didn't have big lighters in these early days. Did you know that? They didn't have any, any... They had to get a fire going, and then they would share the fire. They would share the coals. So it was a blessing on someone to share coals. And to share the coals, they put them in pots, often carried them on their heads. So they're getting blessed, and they're walking around with this glowing pot of coals on their head, being blessed by the person that they were mean to, ripped off, whatever it is that they did, and you just bless them with, with either warmth for their house or a way for them to cook bread, and they got to walk home past the other houses knowing that they got it from that guy. kindness isn't this cool Romans 12 God has done all these things amazing things for us because he loved us sent his son and because of that we can be transformed live in a new way look at things in a different way behave in a different way 
and change our world every day. It's amazing. So welcome to the new behaviors. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us yourself. Thank you for giving us the scriptures so we can know uh, a measurement by which to compare ourselves. And thank you for the spirit to guide us, to convict us, to point out things that we can do. And thank you for the gifts that we can share with one another. And uh, Lord, you have been kind to us. I pray that you would help us to be kind to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.